Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Rebuild SoCal Zone. I hope everyone is having a good 2021 so far. We have an exceptional guest here today with us. Please welcome California Lieutenant Governor Eleni Kunalakis. John and Carol, thank you so much for inviting me to be with you on your podcast today. It is great uh, to be here with you and uh, members of Rebuild SoCal to talk a little bit about things going on in the state right now during this unprecedented time. I am the Lieutenant Governor of the state of California. I was elected in 2018 as the first woman ever elected to the position. I had never served in elected office before. However, I did serve in public office. I was the United States Ambassador to Hungary. So I served as a senior U.S. government official from 2010 to 2013. And before that, I think your members will be happy and maybe even some surprised to know that I spent 18 years in the housing development uh, field up in Sacramento, working with Sacramento's largest and one of the best respected in the state development firms, building master plan communities in Northern California. And with that, a lot of infrastructure. So it's terrific to be here with you uh, today. And I know we have a lot of things to talk about. Lieutenant Governor, thank you again so much. John Hakel here. Um, and I know your time is tight, so why don't we just dive into these questions. Lieutenant Governor, in your own words, how would you describe our state of the state? Well, John, if I were to describe it in one word, the word would be mobilized. The state of California is and has been mobilized for the last year to deal with this unprecedented health crisis and unprecedented economic crisis. Never in our history have we willfully turned off our economy in order to protect the health of our people. But the state of California was the very first in the United States to issue that statewide stay-at-home order, and we know that that saved a lot of lives. But in terms of how we've mobilized, well, early on, we were mobilizing on damage control of what it was going to mean for our food supply, for our families, for our students. Uh, in order to be able to keep everyone home, what would be open, what wouldn't be. Those decisions were made quickly. And with a few exceptions of things like paper products, toilet paper and paper towels and napkins disappearing from our grocery stores, by and large, we were able to get through that early um, emergency and then begin to look at other ways that we needed to mobilize, buying PPE, figuring out how to help support families whose students, whose kids were working from home, figuring out how to support educators in that process. And of course, working to make sure that essential workers were able to keep working and minimize the negative impact of COVID-19 to the economy. So that was kind of the, the intermediary stage. Now, of course, we are mobilized around vaccines. We need to do everything possible to make sure that as we get more and more vaccines from the federal government, we do not delay in getting those doses into the arms of Californians. So we've had some ups and downs in terms of this dimmer switch approach that we've had. We had a summer spike in cases and we had to dial back reopenings, open things back up in the fall, a winter spike in cases, a really devastating one, by the way. So again, we had to turn that dimmer switch back. 
but we are in a situation right now where our positivity rate in the state of California is hovering now around 3% positive, which is remarkable considering a month ago it was 14%. And this is great news because it allows us to continue to reopening. Most states are in purple tier and moving into red tier very quickly. So where we are right now in terms of this massive mobilization of our state to combat the most extraordinary incident, health and economic incident in my lifetime, uh, where we are is getting kids back to school, getting people vaccinated and getting people back to work. Great. Kind of sounds like the golden state is returning to its golden state. So it's good. Good, good. Historically, Lieutenant Governor, as you know, the construction industry has always been the industry that will stimulate both federal and state economies. Having said that, can you elaborate on what you foresee this state will be implementing to kick off the start of the construction sector? Well, um, I guess what I would say is to kick off the enhanced work of the construction and infrastructure sector, because frankly, we have not stopped working in this state. As you well know, um, many uh, projects, Caltrans uh, has moved up. Many projects were able to finish more quickly as a result of the fact that there were so many fewer people out on the roads that allowed construction workers to be able to work faster and more efficiently. So I would say that a lot of that infrastructure work that's gone on over the last year has actually certainly first and foremost been recognized as essential work. Uh, We kept it going and a great deal of it was done faster and more efficiently and at a lower cost than even anticipated as a direct result of fewer people being on the roads. So I think part of that state of being mobilized is to recognize where there are opportunities. There were opportunities in this area. And so a great deal of that work continued. And again, in a situation right now where we have eight and a half percent unemployment in the state, knowing that our infrastructure and construction workers have been working the last year and are ready for what we hope will be additional stimulus and uh, more federal and state dollars going into infrastructure, that is really important as well. Yeah, Lieutenant Governor, as you may know too, part of being an essential workforce has allowed us, as you were saying, to be able to continue to work and make sure projects are getting done, like you said, not only just on track, but also being done so much safer. So the safety factor is always something we consider when we're talking about our infrastructure and when we're talking about projects. And along with that is is really the continued need for workforce development, which we know is a hot topic. And as we find ways to reduce the state's significant unemployment rates, what outreaches are currently being explored to address this issue? Well, let me just start by recognizing that federal stimulus has been very, very important to California in terms of being able to weather this storm. The extension of unemployment benefits to Californians that was uh, paid for by the last two federal stimulus bills, in addition to the PPP program, which allowed many small businesses to stay afloat if they weren't working. All of that has been very important to us. We do anticipate 
with the Biden-Harris administration that their goal to build back better and with the appointment of Secretary Buttigieg and his public comments in this area, that the uh, next stimulus will include more funds to build infrastructure across the country. So that is really good news for California because, of course, our infrastructure is critical to the economic health of the state. What the state has been doing, and again, also very important for your listeners to know, that we have a $15 billion budget surplus this year in the state of California. Basically, the people who are at the top of our taxpayers, our income earners and our taxpayers, were still working, were able to pay their taxes. And frankly, now we have an important tool, which is the California budget, to invest in apprenticeships, invest in workforce development, and most importantly, as far as I'm concerned, invest in public higher education. So investing in our community colleges, in our CSUs, and our UCs to get those Californians the kind of training and work that uh, will allow them to enter into the workforce with skills already established. So I would say it's basically a two-pronged effort the federal government investing more in infrastructure development, and the state through both stimulus and through our higher education system, training the workforce that we need to be there to build the projects that the federal government is likely to help us fund. And, you know, very well said, and it's something that we feel daily and what we talk about with our unions about and their apprenticeship training programs and how the graduation rate is even going up. They're having more people actually graduate from apprenticeship going into journeymen than they've ever had before. Uh, I know we just had the laborers management on and they said the same thing. They've never seen numbers quite this high. So that's a good sign. I know that collectively, John's also on the workforce development for Inland Empire. So we're really looking at, we realize not every student is going to go to college, but there's an opportunity for them to go into a career chose to go into something within construction. So it's good to hear. I know we'd like to see more done, maybe even at the high school level, bringing back some of that hands-on training that kids are really wanting. Um, We're seeing it through a lot of the STEM and other schools that are offering those types of classes. So I think we'll start to see that a little bit more in the next few years, coming up more prevalently as a choice. So I'm glad. Carol, I'm so glad that was really very well, well said because uh, there are major changes happening in education right now. And a lot of it, frankly, is driven by the students themselves and what they're looking for, whether they're in high school or in community college. We have 3 million students in California enrolled in public higher education. It's staggering. Half, more than half of the California General Fund goes toward education in this state. And we're the fifth largest economy in the world. These things are connected. Many of these students are the first in their family to go to college. So honoring what they're looking for in their training and in their education is really important. Giving them more opportunity to be able to train and and upskill themselves in order to be able to respond to the opportunities they see in the workforce is really important. So making sure that at the state level, we are making the kinds of uh, reforms necessary at the community college, CSU, and UC levels to meet that demand, to 
improve graduation rates, make it easier for students to navigate the system. That's mm-hmm. really important. And it's on us in order to make sure that that pathway of the California dream, which has really gone right through the doors of public higher education, stays available for California students and California kids. That's, that's great. That's really good. And, and, um, I can't believe it even more. You know what I mean? I mean, we feel that uh, as we talk with our industry. So it's good to hear that you are also well in tune with that as well. So good. Thank you for that. You know, Carol, it's personal as well, because I spent 18 years working in construction and development for housing in Sacramento. And I, to this day, will drive by Uh, freeway overpasses or drive through neighborhoods that were my projects at one point um, in terms of being able to put together either the funding or the uh, design or the permitting. And it makes me feel so incredibly proud. There is something about being part of building things that is very inspiring and really gives you an extraordinary sense of purpose. And I think that talking about that in a way that will be heard by students, that it's better to go to college to be an English major than it is to work on building infrastructure. Yes, education is important, reading books, writing well, all of that, math, but it's also an incredible industry to be in as far as I'm concerned, to be in construction. And uh, sending that message, I think, is really important as well. Completely agree. And, and the technology has changed so much that it's not, you know, just shovels and, you know, what people think about construction or have in the past. You know, it's the drone technology. There's so much more. Everything's done on tablets. It's just the technology is incredible within the industry. So if you're a techie and you want to get into construction, there's a place for everybody. That I can How great. Thank you for that. That was that was really good. And, and I can tell it comes from your heart. You can tell it's it's that sense of pride that you have. And when you can go buy a bridge or, or project that you worked on and even share it with your own children, mom worked on that or, you know, and that's the fun part because actually we did a construction video, right? Talking about the industry for high school kids, right? And one of the things that we did with each of the unions and when they were just kind of candid about it, it was, you know, driving around with my kids and showing them daddy built that bridge, built that college. Oh, isn't that so true? You know, and it's all levels as well. My father-in-law, for his entire career, this is my husband's father, Uh uh, was an owner-operator of a truck, and he had a double dump truck, and he moved dirt. And he worked on the excavation for the Transamerica Pyramid in San Francisco. And my kids are so proud of that building because their grandfather was out there uh, excavating for it. So it is it is a very special industry that goes on and the stories go on for generations. They do. We can't let them ever stop. That I can tell you. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Great. Let me ask you, because of who you are and where we know the state is going, what can Rebuild do for you, Lieutenant Governor? Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, I tell you, I'm a big believer in that old saying that you have two ears and one mouth. You should listen twice as much as you speak. Um, I really appreciate hearing from the industry because we hear these sort of 
you know, sometimes blanket statements about challenges doing business in California. We don't hear as often about specific reforms that uh, could be fixed. Again, you hear, oh, CEQA, right? Well, but let's talk about how we can make sure that government functions efficiently and effectively for the people doing business here. Some things are obviously really difficult to get consensus on, but very often, and again, I was an applicant for 18 years in the private sector, and sometimes there are just smaller things, hiring more people in order to be able to make reviews go faster, figuring out that there's more than one agency that's looking over the same things. Isn't there a way to get them to talk to one another? And so hearing from your members who are out there doing the hard work of getting infrastructure built, of specific things that we can do better that are maybe not as well known, but in the realm of improving efficiency. I really appreciate hearing it. And my team in the Lieutenant Governor's office does too. Well, thank you. I mean, this is why I believe the state of California will be back and we will flourish and we will continue to rebuild California. Lieutenant Governor, thank you so much for your time and wish you good speed. Thank you, John. Thank you, Carol, so much. Great to be with you. And I hope sooner rather than later, we'll all be able to be back together in person. I couldn't agree more. Carol, that was the most amazing podcast. This Lieutenant Governor has so many ideas and concepts and, and boots on the ground type of thinking. As an added bonus for us, she is also comes from a housing development family, and so she really understands our world. I was amazed by how cognizant she was of our industry, what currently is happening and what she plans on doing with the governor to rebuild the state. Yeah, she definitely was clued in on every question we asked and what we talked about. Uh, she's she's amazing, and she's the first woman elected lieutenant governor of California. That in itself is something to be proud of. And the fact that she's visited all 58 counties here in California says a lot about her determination to know who she serves and, and to do a job well done, to right. know, know where she's at. I mean, the state's a very large state, so uh, to feel like you've been to every 58 counties, that, that's a lot. You know, you just said something, um, very large state. This state is so unique. We're so different than any other state in our nation. Carol and I thought, well, let's let's do something fun. So we're going to uh, pose like a Jeopardy. We're going to come up with the questions and uh, let's see how you do with the answers. So let me start, Carol. Okay, let's see. The current mileage of the state owned roads in California would be what, do you think? The mileage. I'm trying to think even like the whole distance of the state. So, but these would be all inclusive roads? Yes. Throughout. Okay. Wow. I I don't know. I'm glad I didn't bet a thousand on this one. So, but I don't know. Okay, Carolyn. Yeah, this is, this is amazing. I just, you have to stop. And when we say this number, and then we're going to compare it to another state. The current mileage of state-owned roads in California is 394,383 total miles of rural and urban roads. Putting that in perspective, the total mileage of rural and urban roads 
in Rhode Island is 12,741. For the whole state? For the whole state. (laughs) Say what? I mean, it's that's what I'm saying is that, and I'm sure you know that we, the state of California, is kind of recognized as the fifth largest economy based on so many factors. And one is just how massive this state of California is. Oh, yes. And I think also, too, when you think about the state of California, I mean, just logistically where we're at and what, you know, we border land and water, we're not totally inclusive internally. I'm going to ask you a question now, John. Okay. Let's pose this. How many state dams does California have? If you were just to think off the top of your head, like. Damn, I don't know that question. But, um, (laughs) you know, hopefully we're getting enough water to fill those dams, but. I don't know the amount or the number of state dams that are currently in California. All right. Well, I'll bring you up to speed on a couple things. So as of early 2019, the official stat was nearly 1,500 dams across the state. 1,500? 1,500 dams across the street, across the state. A thousand are major dams. I mean, if you think if you're talking about a major dam, we're talking about hundreds and millions of acre feet of water that will be using that. In in fact, 43 million acre feet of water, which rounds up to a little over 14 trillion gallons of water. Oh my God. That, that's <laughs> how many times would that be to wash your car? Did you think how, how many loads yeah, of laundry yeah, how many you? loads of laundry could you get with it? But then that goes back to the factor that we have been monitoring and then hopefully you have too, is making sure that there is current water flow from Northern California to Southern California. That, that's, that, this has been an ongoing argument on how do we make sure that there's adequate supply of water in Southern California. Quite candidly, that this is on the governor's mind too, is what happens if we have an earthquake and the uh, storage of water becomes an issue because we can't flow it back to Southern California. I know the governor is looking at uh, certain options to make a equitable balance of water in the north and water in the south. So we, Rebuild, will keep monitoring that too and get back to you on that one. Yes, definitely. Well, there's a lot of things happening at the Capitol regarding water. Okay, my turn. Okay. How many ports are there in the state of California? Okay, well, I can think of five in SoCal right now. So if I think about Northern California... Uh, uh, maybe eight or nine. Um, so close. Okay. <laughs> so close, yet okay. a little bit short. Okay. Currently, there are 11 major ports in the state of California. And how important is that? There's so much commerce coming into these ports and then being distributed out, not only in California, but a lot of these ports are the entryway for across the country. I mean, Port of Los Angeles, Port of San Francisco, Port San Diego, those are all major cargo hubs to make sure whatever product around the world has an opportunity to come onto the shore. So 11 major ports, that's big. That is big. More than half are here in SoCal or right. close to it. Yeah. So yeah. tell right. me a lot. Public California airports. Okay. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to say... Well, is this all the all the airports or just because uh, there's a, quite a few? Isn't right. small... I think just go commercial. Okay, commercial. I'm going to go with less than 20. Less than 20. 
Again, Carol, oh, so close. I want to give you the money. It's Jeopardy, but you, you got to have the right answer. Currently, there are 27 commercial airports, 27 really? of them. Again, it shows the diversity of who we are and what we are and how, you know, we have an opportunity to use those airports, not only for FedEx and those, but for people who can get on planes and go see family or do business, a whole wide variety. And that, I think that, again, points out to be how massive this state is and how lucky we are to have that many opportunities. Well, and not only that, but we're talking about the goods that are being moved and whether you're moving people, goods, what have you, but that it's getting to the destination as it needs to. So, wow, 27, more than I thought for sure. All right, I got one for you too. Let's do this one. Okay, so we know infrastructure in California recently from ASCE, which is the American Society of Civil Engineers, rated our bridges and our infrastructure at a C minus, okay? So given that we have a C minus rating, okay, or grade, how many bridges do you think have been around over 50 years? Wow, over 50 years. I, I hope it's not a big number, 50 years. Uh, I'm gonna say, 4,200. 4,200. 4,200. And what was your wager on that? <laughs> I put it all in. I, I'm, I'm all in. I think I'm right. Well, again, a little short, oh. okay? 8,300 bridges are over the age of 50 in the state of California. And okay. I, yeah. Uh, okay. I'm not going to drive again. No, no I can't. <laughs> They got to. They have to have a sign going. You're going over a 50 year old bridge, and then try to figure a way to get around that. There because, should be a disclaimer, right? Right. Yeah. That, that's uh, that's a travesty for our it state is. not to have bridges that are passable. I mean, that's all we're asking for is get them up to at least passable. But to have 8,300 bridges over 50 years, we're teetering on some unique problems, but I do believe some of the money that's been passed on SB1 that we'll be able to go in and start checking those off as we can and making sure because it's imperative that we as the citizens drive over, the school buses are driving over it to get them in at least shape that we're comfortable in going over them. Mm -hmm. Well, and like I said, they've been around for over 50 years. I know that there's been a certain amount of maintenance, but not enough to get an A grade. So right. there's just more work to do, which is what we're going to continue to talk about and why we're going to continue these podcasts. And then, of course, always always knowing that infrastructure is essential and we need it and it has to happen. So got some more work to do. Yep. <laughs> Let's get back to our speaker today. The actual lieutenant governor, I think she she sees that. I think she's going to be able to help us navigate through that. She wants us to be active with her, set some meetings up. So as it relates to these issues, we will keep bringing these to the forefront through our friends in the legislature and everywhere else that we can be of assistance, not only from a, what can you do for me, but Rebuild's sole purpose is what can we do for you? And as we continue to look at the surroundings and, and how we can educate the public and public officials, on the need for all of that we just talked about. It's our journey, it's what we like to do, and we'll continue to do it. Well said, John, thanks. Thanks. Well, that concludes today's episode of the Rebuild SoCal Zone. Thank you for listening, and a huge thank you to the Lieutenant Governor and her incredible staff for this opportunity. 
Make sure you subscribe on all of our channels so you can join us next month with another special guest. Take care, everyone.